You're listening to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast, sponsored by Franklin Professional Associates, excellence in staffing and recruiting, and supported by regional leaders like Enterprise Bank, helping people and businesses create success. Hello and welcome to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deal, as we continue our On the Road series. We're over in Groton today at 31 Adams Ave, tucked away in the woods. And Cat, who are we speaking with and where are we? Well, today, and if you've never heard the name, don't worry. They've only been here a few months. This is at CJS Workshop, and we are joined by Rob Saunders, the owner. All right. Rob, thank you so much for letting us um, in, and um, our listeners won't be privy to it, but thank you also for the tour we just took of the amazing area you are creating, some of the most unique things being manufactured in the North Central Mass region. So for our listeners, can you tell them what this unique business CJS Workshop does? Sure. We are a specialty costume provider for uh, the theme park industry. So we handle uh, everything from your sort of hard shell, uh, you know, heads and, and whatnot to uh, your soft goods kind of cost, your costume elements uh, for um, a global uh, clientele of uh, the bigger theme parks. We'll, we'll leave it at that, the bigger, <laughs> the bigger theme parks. That's a really small description for what we just saw because the, the detail and the shop and what you're doing in there is quite intricate and really amazing what is happening in there. And I can't believe that we just got to see a very amazing character. So you actually, so you build these costumes and, sure. and, and puppets, but do you service them as well? Or Our focus is on, uh, we have uh, sort of three key revenue mm-hmm. streams here. First one, obviously, is design fabrication. So that's your, your somebody comes to you with an idea or they've already got an idea and they're like, hey, we want you to make this particular character for us. Can you get going on like how we would fabricate it? Uh, from there, there's the service and maintenance contracts. Mm-hmm. That's your year over year, like taking care of those costumes. The nice thing is that with the theme park world, there's a ton of that that level of work. It's not sexy. It's not you know. It's <laughs> you know. It's sweaty, gross. You know. It's like you get costumes back that stink and you know that they've have done their time for you know God and country, and then you get to remake them at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, typically, you know, in any given year, you have a a, a series of fixes or whatnot, and then mm-hmm. depending on the detail of it, if it has a if it's a skinned face or if it's a fur covering or whatever, um, it's just different techniques, different materials that you're always like kind of updating. Now we got to see some of the puppets and some of the costumes yes. um, and very intricate materials. And then I think of when I'm at a theme park, the wear and tear and how brutal some of the kids can be on these mm-hmm. on these things. So how do you make them so they hold up uh, to get them by until the next maintenance? It's a very different build style than anything that you would find like, like in your, with your standard like mascot character for like a high school. We have to make these things tanks. They're 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 you know there's levels upon levels of overstitching and uh, uh, and component systems. So there's usually a, a shape which we call a body pod. Um, which you know kind of forces that like if a character has a very kind of like a big belly or whatever that creates that shape and then there's mm-hmm. covering that goes over that typically for either fur or a costume um so uh our goal is always to make make those things as component based as possible so that we can take them apart wash them individually um you know when you when you have a costume or a character that is like one big unit it's, it's very difficult to maintain. Mm-hmm. Um, so puppets are a little easier because they're just 
you know, more handheld. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but then they're also, t- they can be more mechanical sometimes if it's a, if it's a very odd shape, we have to do like a rod puppet style instead of a, instead of like a hand puppet, like a, you're like your classic Muppet style puppet. What kinds of repairs and services will you do? Will you just do full replacements? It's, it's interesting listening to you talk about the idea that, well, you make a big belly sure. and then you want to make things compartmentalized and components so mm-hmm. that they can be washed. So what all of the services will you offer? It, it, everything. Soup to nuts. It's uh, so all new shoes. So we'll do all the new treading for the shoes, uh, create feet, hands, gloves, body pods, the heads themselves, skins, furs, uh, obviously overlays, which are your costumes that go over the costumes. And then um, any of the other sort of like, you know, we'll make... Um, the liners, uh, so like uh, spandex, um, like body suits for the suit performer to wear. It's a acts as a sweat guard, to, so like uh, the last bastion of defense before like it seeps <laughs> into the costume. But really, anything goes as far as like when we get a costume back, we don't um, we don't like to assign like oh, this costs this much, this costs this much. We get a costume back, and we like what do we need to do with what we're looking at to get it back to one hundred percent. Gotcha. Um, to get it back to like what we feel is a show quality um, costume to be out in the parks. How often do costumes, puppets come back for service? Typically, it's a year after year rotation. Wow. Um, we have schedules with a lot of our clients. The way that that works is like um, everything's on a, at most a three year rotation. So after three years of continual use, it's time to retire that costume and then build a new one. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. There are certain things that can last longer. Uh, mechanical assets obviously last, you know, can last 20 years. So if we have to strip a body um, and if that, if it's a puppet that has a, you know, um, a, a simple um, uh, armature or whatever mm-hmm. in it, like that armature can last, but like the foam probably wear a tear. Sweat kills everything. Everything. <laughs> uh, so, um, like, we like to replace, like, with body pods uh, every three years. By that point, all the foam is turned to goo. So it's time to time to replace it with nice, fresh foam. While we're on the subject of sweat, this is going to be an odd transition. <laughs> but <Please. laughs> I the locations of a lot of the, the parks that you probably work with. Mm-hmm. Hotter climates, different parts of the country. They love putting them in the hottest, steamiest hottest. places in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're really removed from that up here in Massachusetts. So how did this pairing come to be? How did you end up up here working with all these clients elsewhere? And this is going to be a very involved story. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, okay. Okay, so I grew up in New Hampshire and uh, decided that I wanted to be a puppeteer when I was 13, much to my parents' uh, chagrin. They were like, oh, great, he's going to live in our basement for the rest of our lives. <laughs> I started bugging every local puppeteer that I could find. And there was one particular local puppeteer, Paul LaCour, who ran the Drawbridge Puppet Theater out yeah. in Lunenburg. Mm-hmm. He was the one that sort of... Um, Directed me. He's like, he's like, just go to UConn. You'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's like, stop bothering me, kid. So uh, I got into a bunch of different film schools because I was interested in film and TV and all these things, um, mostly for special effects. I wanted to really be doing kind of creature effects. Yeah. And uh, went to UConn um, from 92 to 96 and then started my career jumping into um, mostly puppet fabrication, mm-hmm. but also puppeteering. Jumped around for years uh, from 96 to about 2001 when I finally got to move to Los Angeles. Moved to L.A. three days before 9-11. Oh. And everything stopped. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got a job at Whole Foods uh, as their beer guy uh, for a year, a better part of a year. And all the while just sending out resumes mm-hmm. because like literally the industry just kind of 
they, they you know they mystically thought like the next target was going to be like big empty sound right. stages like, I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> but really wanted to be in in creature effects and whatnot and I got a call one day I was actually at Whole Foods working uh, when I got the call and they're like hey you're a puppet guy I'm like yeah 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 what's up. Um, and that turned out to be Steve Johnson's uh, edge effects. And he's like, look, we have a job that we're bidding on. We need to make a prototype. We need to do it this week. Can you do it? And he's like, all my other guys are busy on Cat in the Hat and a couple other big movies. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. He's like, come on in and we'll talk about it. So I went in and they're like, we need to make a prototype to show a director. It has to be these four tentacles off of a guy's back for the movie Spider-Man 2. And it's going to be Doc Ock. And I'm like, okay. Cool. So we're presenting this to Sam Raimi, and they're like, "Yes." And I'm like, "Cool." It was everything classic about Hollywood. They were like, "If we don't get this job, we will make sure you never work again." Like, oh, no, like, pressure. Like, yeah. no, no pressure. No pressure at all. Yeah. I, was like, I was like, "This is my first job ever." <laughs> you uh, can't do this. You can't, please. Um, but we got the job, and they were like, "You knocked it out of the park for us. Do you want to be on the puppet team for this?" So that so Spider Man Two was my first big. Uh, Los Angeles feature. Wow. Uh, and then immediately rolled from that onto Marionette movie with uh, Matt Parker and Trey Stone, the South Park guys uh, mm-hmm. called Team America. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have Marionette experience. Uh, I was the lead stringer, which is the guy that balances the Marionettes for the Marionettists. I am not a marionettist. I am, uh, but I can I can string one for sure. <laughs> and then one of the, one of the lead wranglers on the job. So so that was fun. That was a very short. You know, that was six months of building and then a 60-day shoot, and that was it for all of Team America. Then I just jumped around everywhere from uh, shop to shop. Los Angeles is nice because it's like a series of different shops, and you just, once you've met everybody, you kind of migrate. You know where all the jobs are, you Mm -hmm. know what's going on. So And so for you to jump from kind of that creature design that you thought you were going to be doing to more Mm -hmm. of the, the puppet side of things, did you see that as part of your trajectory or was it just kind of this is what's here so I'm going to go for it I always wanted to be doing creature work when I was a kid I saw the behind the scenes they always do great behind the scenes specials when we were kids I'm 50 and like you know like it's there were good. There were good creature movies back mm-hmm. in the day. The Dark Crystal, uh, Dark Crystal, oh. Labyrinth. Uh-huh. You know, um, like all of them were so so wonderful. But th- there was a behind the scenes of Return of the Jedi, and they showed the puppeteers that were inside of Jabba. Yeah, and that was one of the key moments for me, where I was like, "You can do that and get paid." Like, that's stupid. Like, yes, I'm in. Um, and because our community is so small, I'm actually friends with all of those gentlemen now that we're in. Oh, wow. You know, it's such a weird t- like way to, like, be connected to that community. Yeah. Really, you know, with L.A., it's, you know, once you're in sort of the network, uh, you can just kind of stay working. Mm-hmm. What's nice about being a puppeteer and a puppet maker is, like, building for me was my waiting tables. Mm. Well, I still got to be part of the job. I still got to make stuff. And, you know, it was that was cool. But I didn't have to wait tables. I didn't have to, you know, bartend. And typically when you're at a shop, like, if you build it, you perform it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it's, like, a very custom thing where it's they have a specialty performer. Uh, it also depends on the shop. If you're working for Muppets, the Muppets have their builders and they have their performers and never the two shall meet. The other special effects shops are just kind of, they kind of throw it to you as, like, a bonus. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, go, go, you know, wiggle the doll. And, uh, you know, <laughs> so anyway. So I was in L.A. for about 14 years. And my wife and I, when we really started to try to have kids, something in my dumb lizard brain was like, you've got to get a real job, like freelancing. It's great. You know, as a, as a couple and as yeah. a single guy, freelancing was awesome. I could jump around. I could do whatever I needed to do. Um, but with freelancing, 
it's like everybody knows you're always hustling because mm-hmm. you don't get vacation time. You don't get breaks. It's like you do the job when the job exists or otherwise you're just unemployed. Mm-hmm. And I needed something more stable. And at that point in my weird trajectory, I was doing more stop motion animation. Uh, I was working on Robot Chicken for Stupid Buddy Studios mm-hmm. and um, Moral Oral was another one that we did. Um, and then I got pulled in on a job um, uh, for a feature uh, called Anomalisa. Which, if you haven't seen it's beautiful. It's beautifully done. It was by the director that did uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That was what sort of started me down the path of project management and eventually executive management. Mm-hmm. An old boss of mine that I had uh, in Nashville, right, one of my first jobs out of school was Nashville. And that was one of the, when I was jumping around a lot. Yep. He was in LA and we had drinks. And he's like, he's like, I'm really trying to grow the company. He's like, I want to shift gears from being. Uh, a puppet shop to more of an animatronic studio, like high-end automated characters. And I'm like, cool, that sounds awesome. What do you need? Like, I'm happy to, like, let's do that. And so my wife and I moved to Nashville, and uh, we were there for seven years. Um, and we grew that company from, that was Animax. And that grew from, in four years, we went from a 10,000-square-foot facility to a 88,000-square-foot facility. Wow. wow. And went from 22 employees to 132 employees. So really rapid growth. And that just kind of shows the demand and also the, you know, we talked earlier before we started recording about the theme parks are very just kind of hungry mm-hmm. yeah. animals. They're big machines that they need a lot. And there's not a lot of um, vendors that do this kind of work. So um, it's difficult, complex work. Finding people that are, you know, specialty um, uh, fabricators are, are few and far between. So it's, it's a challenge. But that was... Uh, a really kind of wonderful exercise. Um, what I found, though, at the end of it, was that I didn't really like animatronics. <laughs> so, um, my, my joke was always that we were covering bulldozers and fur. There was these, these yeah. giant, these giant robots that could like kill someone or electrocute them at least. That you can't touch, you can't get near. And I'm a puppet guy. I want to be able to hug and, and like interact with it. So really, my wife at one point she's like, "You're not happy. Can you just take a break?" And I'm like. Cool. Um, so I rolled myself out of uh, of, uh, of Animax, and then from there took to it took a, a, a break because we have three boys, mm-hmm. and so I got to be dad for a little while. And then an opportunity came up to go back to Stupid Buddies, who I had done stop motion work for. They have a team there called the Builds Team, which typically was originally started to do their um, their like mascot stuff for like uh, Comic Con and stuff like that, just really just as a marketing tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they randomly got this show called The Mass Singer on Fox. They had two seasons already under their belt when they pulled me in, and then I was there for five seasons, and then. Then I stepped away, but that was fun because that was that got me back into the costume game. The guys that run the buddies, they're such a lovely group of uh, goofballs. And for so, you, what was it like to see your costumes on TV every week? But also, people who are not really puppeteers or not costume wearers, these true. actors and singers and, and different celebrities, mm-hmm. having to be puppeteers while they sing. Some of them did really, really well with it. Some of them, you could tell which ones really struggled with it. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting thing because they never gave us who the person was. You were just Um, given dimensions maybe to build it? We gave them male, female. We got their age. So we understood like, all right, you can't make this too heavy for someone that's 76. Okay. And uh, their basic height, weight. uh, Okay. You know, and that was it. And so we would build it blind uh and typically with those builds from drawing to first fitting 
first fitting was when we actually found out who the person was. Okay. Um, so you did eventually know. <laughs> we did eventually know, but we're under a very strict contract not to talk about that. So it was typically about four weeks mm-hmm. from drawing to, to first fitting. Wow. And then you had about two weeks after that for notes, and then it goes on, then it's on the air. So that's a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, and that's the thing is that their shoot schedule is nuts. Like they, you know, they, they pack all that in in a, you know, I think they shoot like you know, 13, 14 episodes inside of like three weeks. Wow. Wow. Like they just knock it all out. Um, so their seasons are fast. So when mm-hmm. I say I'm on it for a season, like, it wasn't like, you know, four, you know, five years of work. It was, you know, truncated and it was like two and a half years of, you know, about two years of work. Wow. Which was nice because as soon as like we were ramping down on a season, I was getting the crew ready to start on the next one. Mm-hmm. But it, what it did for me was it was like uh, costumes and puppets is really I'm happy again. I'm mm-hmm. where I want to be. Yep. So the question was like, do we move back to LA or do we not move back? Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point we had moved away from Nashville and we were um, uh, back up in New England. Um, so I grew up in New Hampshire and my wife grew up in uh, just outside of Boston. Um, it was nice to be home and to be around our, our parents and everybody again, because we'd basically been either living in California or Tennessee for so long. Yeah, it must've been nice to bring everybody back home. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was great for the grandkids and everybody kind of, you know, chilled out and enjoyed themselves during the time of the pandemic. So it was like when we were all kind of stuck at home anyway. So it was <laughs> nice to be able to be home around people that we knew. We eventually decided that, you know, it's like, uh, I had done a bunch of these seasons for my singer and I didn't really see anything with the the buddies after that. Um, so I'm like, it's, you know, it's an expensive city to move back to, especially. Yeah. And now, you know, the, with our parents all getting older, mm-hmm. it's going to be more and more difficult for them to travel across the country. Like that's a big deal. Yeah. So we decided to stay in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Um, and my sister-in-law lives in Westford. So we were looking in this area and we happened to find, you know, we, I'm like, I'm like this is a little house in Groton. I'm like, I don't even know where Groton is. Like I didn't <laughs> even know that was a town. And we drove into it and we're like, what is this place? It's beautiful. Uh, it's like this quintessential little New England town with also like really nice restaurants, which is like a weird Typically, when you're like this kind of farm town, mm-hmm. good restaurants is not what you get. <laughs> There's some good restaurants. Out you here. Got some great <laughs> stuff some around really, here. Really yeah, you do. So we we amazingly found a house that we you know could get into. So I started CJS in December 21st and 21, mm-hmm. and uh, just kind of got it rolling. And um, some friends of mine in Lawrence, uh, they're a supplier of mine. They make fur. Uh, they own the mill space and one of the, the big mills out there. And uh, they're like, look, you know, we think this idea is awesome. And because I, I, I approached them and said, like, I want to start a company that does costumes and puppets, but in New England, like, what are we doing? Like, this is a smart idea. It's like, you know, what, what, you know, what are the selling points? It's cold six months out of the year, but it's also <laughs> rainy every weekend in the summer. Uh, you know. So many selling points. I know, Rob. Like, I mean, you know, really. Like, and and uh, and people can be so pleasant when you're driving. Um, being in New England, I, I was, you know, I loved it. But, uh, you know, how do we attract talent? Yeah. Like when I lived in Nashville, recruiting to Nashville was pretty easy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like low taxes, low this, low this. You know, it's like nice, vibrant city. Getting people to move to the middle of the woods in, in, in New England was going to be a tougher sell. And one of the interesting things, too, I think, when you look at, there's some really great art schools and, and kind of more creative institutions here. Mm-hmm. But I think there's always that cons- misconception that I go to school in Boston or Pro- Providence or Connecticut and then I have to move elsewhere. Yeah. Well, and that was my thing. Was yeah. like I was like, I, what am I going to do in New England? Like, I never in a million years thought I could move back to New England. 
uh, it was either going to be L.A., Atlanta, or uh, or New York, maybe mm-hmm. maybe Chicago, but that's it. Any one of the sort of the cultural epicenters for film and TV work. So when we you know, were debating whether or not to start the company, our friends in 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 Lawrence were like, "Well, like, look, we have a forty five thousand square foot space. We have three thousand that we're not using right now because it's like our storage. And there's nothing in there right now. So we'll give you that for a year to incubate your company. What a great start." So grateful to them for that. Yeah. And um, so it gave us sort of a, a starting point to, mm-hmm. to really kind of like, I can sit down and focus on, you know, that it, it's not in my garage. I can go to a space and focus on growth of the company. Uh, and then we started doing our reach outs to, to, you know, to all the big clients and said, hey, we're, we're opening our doors and we want to get going again. And at that point, it was a series of like right time, right places, you mm-hmm. know, which was really kind of extraordinary for me because, you know, with COVID and everything that happened, when we started coming back into the world, the theme parks experienced something very new, which was typically the thing that like people didn't go. Like, I mean, they went and they get their picture with, uh, you know, uh, you know, certain mice or certain bunnies or whatever. <laughs> It was always about the rides. It was always about the dark rides, the new, the new animatronic experience, the new like those were the big events that you would go for. Now people were going back to the parks to be in. They wanted experience. They wanted close contact. They want because they've been trapped in the house for two years. Mm-hmm. They want to get back out and experience like live entertainment and you know the shows and the so everything from the parades to the walk arounds. Like all of a sudden, that is the new focus for so, all the parks. So huge demand now for, so now, for the puppets and huge costumes. Demand. And that's changing the dynamic of everything. They're they're really kind of pushing forward on that and on creating better, more engaging experiences with the characters. We're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be back here on the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Do you have the right high quality employees to successfully compete and grow your business? Franklin Professional Associates team of recruiters in Lemonster is here to help you hire the best so you can be your best. Visit franklinprofessionals.com today. Welcome back to the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast. Travis Condon, Cat Deal. We're on the road over at 31 Adams Ave in Groton at CJS Workshop. We're chatting with the owner and founder, Rob Saunders. You know, earlier you alluded to the fact that it's a little difficult to recruit here. Sure. Right. And to get people here. Um, I mean, you're working on some of the most amazing projects in animatronics and puppetry. So I feel like people would want to work for you, but I'm sure that there's a lot of very specific skills that are required. Mm-hmm. What kind of career opportunities to all those 14 year olds out there who listen to our podcast? Sure. What are the career opportunities and what do you look for when you're hiring? So it's a mix of things. Um, for our, obviously our higher end talent, um, you know, we look at their years of experience, but the nice thing about our world is that we run the gamut on, on, on every skill set. We have, um, you know, we have guys that do welding and machinists, you know, CNC work, we're always looking for people that are experts at 3D printing, people that want to do CAD design. And, uh, you know, we're, so we're starting to flesh out our design team really now. Um, so if you know ZBrush, Maya, those kinds of programs, if you have any interest in like costuming, cosplay, you know, I love cosplayers because it's like, like there's so many people now that just in their home kits, like make beautiful like Iron Man suits and like I'm like... The talent out there is there, yeah, uh, and you can be self-taught. It doesn't. You don't need to go to a college to to get this kind of education. A couple of our guys have like no experience, um, and they just they have the attitude of like, I really like this work and I want to learn how to do it. 
so we are we are we're implementing training programs as we go as far as like local talent i'm always trying to um reach out to the local technical schools, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, the technical training schools I think are amazing because it's like, a, you're going to learn a trade. So if they are teaching things like home skills and, and like sewing and whatnot, you know, molding, casting, machinery, you know, machining, you know, if there's a machinist program or whatever, we're always interested in like what kind of uh, background you have. It's really a matter of, for us, we like big, we like generalists. Mm-hmm. Like if I have a guy that is just a mold maker or just a machinist, if I have a job that's all soft goods, well, now I have a guy on full-time payroll that I don't need. Mm-hmm. So, like, I have some basic rules. Like, everybody here has to know how to sew. Nobody's above doing laundry. You know, we'll find ways to make you busy. Yeah. And, you know, if you don't have a skill, like, it's like, I, I really love to know how to make molds. Great. We're going to teach you that. We're gonna You're going to work with these guys over here, and we're going to get you up to speed. We do skills assessments on everybody here. When they, when you start, you'll, you'll do a, a foam ball. It shows us how your attention to detail and cutting and how you can glue things together and those kinds of things. It gives us a baseline for like, okay, this is what we need to work with you. Uh, same thing with sewing is there's a, a skills test for sewing where you'll do a number of stitches. You'll do a machine stitch, hand stitch, uh, sew on snaps and buttons and whatnot and come up with a, a – you'll sew a, 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 a non-flexible fabric to a, to a, to a, a mesh-flexible fabric to sort of see how that – as a sewer, that that's works. not easy. It's not easy. That's work. not easy. But we're always looking for good stitchers. Like that's a, a nice big thing for us. Stitchers, foam fabricators, people that have a want to do sculptural work like this. So and many options. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned three D printers. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. has technology changed the overall build and function? Everything, everything has changed because of because of the materials nowadays. We have a team here that just constantly is is hunting for all the new materials that are, that are always coming out, uh, be it urethanes, silicones, epoxies, whatever, um, composite systems like uh, carbon fiber. And then now with 3D printing, it's changed the game because we can digitally design something and then just print the head. And then wow. you just sand it, paint mm-hmm. it, and it's done, and off it goes. It makes it lighter weight, uh, depending on what you're making it out of. Uh, so if we're making something out of it, like SLS nylon, um, that's uh, super lightweight. You know, you can get something down to like ounces. Mm. Um, that's still like a big, you know, balloon sized you know character head. So it's pretty amazing. It's you know, like our goal with all of our heads is that they're like just under a couple of pounds. Like they're we, you know. That's the other side of this for us is like working with the theme parks. You're working with their safety and ergonomics teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like, you know, just like put this dress on. You know, right. Like it, it, there's a whole thing of um, uh, really um, strict uh, safety standards, yeah. which not a lot of shops can, they, they want to deal with that hassle. It's a, it's a tremendous amount of paperwork. You have to document everything, like what materials went into it, how much does everything weigh, you know, if you're using certain types of metals like aluminums or steels, you have to track where that aluminum steel came from. So they have the uh, engineering specs for all of that, uh, much like you would with aerospace. Yeah. So without getting anybody in trouble or sure. breaking any confidences, can you tell us where we might have seen some of your work? Spider-Man 2, we already know. I've worked for all, like all of the big parks you would mm-hmm. go to in Florida and California. Okay. Um, the reason for the confidentiality is is admirable. They 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 the parks really feel like with that experience they don't want 
uh, anything to ruin the magic of yeah. of that moment for the kids okay. as, uh, and yeah. for that family to to know that that character is alive. And yeah. Um, so you never want to see like a head on a table or anything like that. They're very strict about like when they're when their costumes people are getting dressed. They're in a very locked room, mm-hmm. and then they're escorted out into the parks. You know, it's like there's a whole process to make sure, like even for safety, like they they make sure, like if if, uh, if a super performer is in distress or whatever, they get them out of uh, view before they get them out of the costume. Get them out of the costume. Um, okay. That's and they always have an escort. They always have a safety person with them where they mm-hmm. can make a make a signal and say, "Get me out of here." Get me out of here. Because again, it's hot work. It's yeah. like you know, like you never know when. Yeah, you're not day. mentioning cool places. It's, no, no, Florida, California, the no, nice hot places. Not, we and we just it's funny we just did a bid on a project for um, a park in Dubai and all of these characters that they came to us with had big 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 fur costumes and I'm like that's gonna be a hot suit performer like we built in air conditioning (laughs) well and so and but this is the thing the technology nowadays like you can buy cooling vests that that will air condition Mm -hmm. they'll bring your body core down um we put fans in a lot of our heads to to, uh, yeah Wow. Um, to just at least create airflow. Yeah. I'm thinking back to the times I wore mascot costumes in my radio <laughs> days and I did not have fans. So I wish we had that technology. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty amazing what you can actually fit into a suit nowadays. So I'm just curious because all this talk about all the different characters mm-hmm. and stuff that you've been mentioning, I think in my head I probably thought there was a lot more CGI going on, but I feel like there's a lot more puppetry in, in, in many of the movies that you're seeing, like the costuming is not a CGI costume necessarily. It's... Yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. The, there's a lot going on right now, um, with SAG-AFTRA and AI and, and all of these things. Um, the contract as it is currently out is not great for puppeteers. It's not great for stunt performers. Um, basically it says now, like if an actor does not want to do a stunt, the studio can then immediately create an AI version of that actor instead of hiring a stunt performer. I see. And so all of a sudden the stunt, the stunt unions are like, mm-hmm. what? You know, we're out of work. That's it. Yeah. Uh, same thing for puppeteers. There's, I can just create a character digitally and not hire a puppeteer and mm-hmm. I have to you know, pay for that. Um, so we're all kind of waiting to see what happens with the film and TV industry. I think we're going to see a lot more of it going to animation um, be it just you know, straight CGI, but we've been also you know we're you know puppeteers are big harkers of uh, doom and gloom. We always you know, like oh they're gonna take our jobs away. <laughs> All we want to do is play with dolls, and they just won't let us do it. Um, <laughs> but I think where you're gonna start seeing um, puppets and costumes really kind of the strength of them is in uh, is in live shows. Mm-hmm. Um, so your big touring arena shows, mm-hmm. theme parks. But the other thing that's coming out now that's becoming like so big is like like escape games, mm-hmm. um, sort of what we're calling the, these themed environments that you like you, immersive entertainment where you can like go into a space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're starting really with like sculptural elements, like you know, like Meow Wolf's a big one. That, that's I big. went to that in Denver, had yeah. a great time. Yeah, it's yeah. an amazing experience. Um, but those are very kind of atmospheric. It's, yes. the, it's the scenery, it's the set, and see how you interact with that space, uh, uh, coupled with a lot of LED and, and television screens and, and media. Um, I think the next generation of those is uh, is going to be environmental costume work yeah. and, and, and performers, which I think the haunted house industry has already done for decades. Sure. The haunted house industry just typically doesn't have the budgets that uh, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these uh, the big uh, themed entertainment companies have. So. so you recently had the pleasure of heading back to UConn where you started your formal puppet training. Yes. And you got to go back and speak to students there. Mm-hmm. For you, what was it like to be on the other side of that program 
to now inspire a future generation of puppeteers and designers and costumers. I felt old. I felt old. <laughs> uh, I, I got there and I was like, I was like, these are babies. They're all babies. Uh, they're so young. Um, Cause I just turned 50 this year. So this is uh, my, my, you know, I mean, at this a while, I love this aspect of, of the job. And this is the thing about everything that we do is relational. Our community is so small um, within the arts uh, that, I mean, the arts community in general is small. It's like any, you know, six degrees of separation, you'll find somebody that knows somebody that, you know, connects you to something. But that's, you know, how you get your first job is like, oh, I worked well with this guy. So then I get hired onto this next thing. Then I get hired onto this next thing. Then they pull me onto a union job. Then all of a sudden I'm a union guy. Like it's, that's how, it's how you've had to do it. It's how, it's how I had to do it. It's all relational. It's all how you are connecting with a person, uh, and 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 how well you work with a group of people. You know, it's a it, it, puppetry, especially puppets and costumes. Is, it's all collaborative art. You're, you know, your dressers have to take care of the suit performers. The suit perform, you know, the puppeteers are handled by the wranglers. Mm-hmm. There's always support staff and always people that are you know um, uh, taking care of. Uh, the effort as a whole to create that, whatever that character is. Um, so, so it must've been nice to bring that message to UConn and to bring it to those students. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's like, I, I support anybody that was, like, if they want to go out and do school shows, if they want to do, if they have their own thing that they want to be doing, fantastic. Do, you know, but are, are you building the right skills? Are you getting what you need to get out there and compete in today's industry? Mm-hmm. I come at it from a very unique standpoint in that we are using cutting edge technology. We're using state of the art materials. We're using there are there are standards and processes in place that our clients demand we use. So um, it can feel for somebody that is coming at this like I'm an artist. It can feel very kind of corporate, very kind of uh, like oh it's a factory, and I'm like well it's a lot of work, you know. But and but the thing is the thing for me is that I get to do the arts as a living and um and it's my job it's what i love to do i get to focus on that when i'm not and i have friends like i'm always i'm always fascinated by people that can like when they're done with work they still go home and they make stuff i'm like i I don't i don't do that i go home i play with my kids and i hang out i i like to have that separation of like this is work this is not work but uh to show kids uh especially you know young artists that there are careers that they can go and have. And this is what that would look like. Um, we're a full-time company with benefits and new vacation. And it's to have that. And you can go and like, like I highly recommend, like if anybody wants to like experience the LA thing, go. If you, if you need to experience it, go. If you need to experience New York, go. You're going to find the, the same sort of high-end technical skills here that you would find there. Uh, it's just, stable or quieter it's you know less frenetic um it's because it's my job to bring in the jobs Mm -hmm. and so like if i'm if i'm working you're working so the nice thing about how we're setting ourselves up is that there's kind of always a steady turnaround of work if i'm doing my job right you can pay your rent you can you know buy a car you can do the things to take care of your family and that's what's that for me that's the most important thing is like that and that's what's cool about what we're doing is like to create careers in the arts mm-hmm. in this area where people can have a better quality of life and not have that hustle and bustle of the cities. Um, and have one of the greatest jobs and that yeah. is working on some of the most iconic yeah. characters and puppets yes. of, of our, of our culture. And uh, you're giving uh, 
lots of artistic people that ability to express themselves and to make an amazing, amazing product and, and a life for themselves. Yeah. And we have a really amazing crew. Like I've been very blessed with the, the talent of the people that have decided to join us. And, um, it, it comes down to, I think, company culture. When we started, when I started the company and started bringing in the core team to, to run things, the executive management side of this, the goal was always like, all right, like, like, we've all worked for some toxic places. So how do we not be that? How can we be better? Service is a huge thing for me as far as like we are in service to each other. We are in service to our clients. We, How we handle ourselves and how we uh, respect each other on, on any given day. Like I always say, I was like, I'm never going to yell at you if like something gets ruined. Like if if a mistake happens, address it. You know, we'll fix it. If you did it maliciously, then it's a different conversation. But like, you made a mistake. Let's talk about it. Let's not make that again. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody here is learning how to do this at the same time, mm-hmm. all at the same time. You know, so even though I have veterans that have been in this for 30 years, they're still learning how do we make every sure. single time you make a new costume, every right. time you make a new puppet, it's a new thing. Right. And so um, I try not to lose sight of the fact that like we are always um, kind of growing and evolving. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Rob, thank you so much for letting us join you today and listening to your story from a 14 year old, seeing the puppets that created Jabba the Hutt, which by the way is a moment in everyone's life. I think knowing that he was manned by like five guys underneath him to the amazing culture that you've created here and the beautiful works of art that are walking out this door. Well, almost walking out on their own. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, Thank you. It's been a great conversation and um, I hope everyone heads over to the website. Rob, what's the bit, what's the best way to contact you guys? Uh, If you're uh, well, I mean, if you're looking for information from us, just info at cjsworkshop.com is the best way to reach out. I should be clear, we don't do tours. Uh, you know, So we are not open to the public, but we are always happy to chat with enthusiasts and uh, help people uh, find the right direction for like if they have a character that they want made. It may not be us, but we definitely know enough people in the world that can uh, definitely get them what they want. So, uh, yeah. Rob Saunders with CJS Workshop at 31 Adams Ave in Groton. We'll be back with another new episode of the Inside North Central Massachusetts podcast next week. Rob, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Inside North Central Massachusetts. This podcast is produced by the North Central Massachusetts Chamber of Commerce. For more information on this episode, links to other episodes, or if you have any questions, please visit northcentralmass.com.